Hi, my name is Nikki, and welcome to Quick Picks, a reader's advisory podcast for all kinds of media available at the library. If you want suggestions on what to try next, we're here to help. Happy Asian Heritage Month. This month we're celebrating by having Tana on the podcast once again to talk about Asian authors. Hi, Tana. Hi, Nikki. Welcome back. I know we both have a long list of Asian authors that we can talk about and recommend, and we haven't hit all the countries in Asia. Asia has a lot of countries, so we have a lot more to discuss in future episodes. For sure. And <laughs> yeah, but we still have a lot here, and we have more that our staff recommended as well. So um, we'll put some of that in the show notes and maybe have to do a part two on this because holy cow, there were a lot. Yes. And we can actually broaden it a little bit as well too. I know I tried to stay more. Um, I have more Korean, Japanese, um, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. The so Southeast Asia stuff. Yeah. More of that area. Yeah. But and most of mine were Japanese or Chinese. So yeah. And it was fun to have a little magic in, in a couple of the yeah. ones that I read too. So I'll be curious to see if people like those choices as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So go ahead and get started with your list. All right. I'm going to start with magic right away. <laughs> Before the coffee gets cold, there are actually two books. It's a, it's a beginning of a series. I'm not sure how far they'll go. Um, the book is made up of three or four kind of short, stories, short vignettes, maybe that all tie together and they all take place in this coffee shop. The um, main characters are the same as far as the people who are in the coffee shop. But what happens is someone can come into the coffee shop and time travel back to a different part of their life. But there are some conditions and the conditions are that they can't change anything in the past. The person that they're going to visit has to have been in the coffee shop as well. And they can go back in time, but they have to be done with their visit before their coffee gets cold. <laughs> so it's kind of a fun, a fun take on the coffee shop and the people that are in there and the kind of the regulars that stay through the whole thing. And then these people go back and try to see what their life was like before and how it kind of leads into the life that they're having now or Mm -hmm. remember something that they were a part of or in the um, one that I just finished last night, one of the little stories was he wanted to go back and take a picture with someone so that he would have it in this future time frame. They're just, they're just neat. They're mostly heartwarming stories and And usually it's a person trying to grapple with something in their life. And they feel like if they go back and talk to this person, they'll be able to ease their mind, ease their conscience, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They're fun. They're quick reads. I would listen to these actually, because there's a lot of names. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just think the narrator does a really nice job. Uh, Another one that I really liked was The Housekeeper and the Professor. And this was also a short, shorter book, probably like 180 to 200 pages. And the professor can only remember 80 minutes, like his short-term memory is 80 minutes. (laughs) So every 80 minutes, 
he forgets everything and has to start over. (gasps) Only thing that really kind of sticks with him is math. So he was a brilliant mathematician and then something happens and now he has this memory problem. The housekeeper is the person that is there every day to help take care of them. I loved that they had sticky notes all over the house to remind (laughs) them of things so that, you know, he could kind of remember who she was because every 80 minutes she would be gone again. And then it's also her son too. So her 10 year old son and just the interactions that they have with each other and kind of how they help each other do life. And a great story. I read that years ago and it is one that I still go back to and look at. And I recommend often because it's just a nice story. Mm-hmm. All right. Jumping into family saga. Uh-huh. I have, Your specialty. Yes. <laughs> I have Pachinko. Um, Pachinko is actually on Apple TV right now. So there's a shameless plug for Apple TV. <laughs> I will honestly admit I have not watched the show because I'm afraid it's going to ruin the book for me. Mm-hmm. Personal problem, I know. Yeah, but that's where I'm at. Um, so the book is divided into three books. So each is kind of a different part of Sunja's life. So when she's growing up in in the fishing village, and then it ends with her um, reflecting back on her whole life. They are Korean. They're a Korean family that immigrate to Japan. And so there is like even the discrimination between these two cultures that they dealt with and um, just the trials and tribulations of their life and trying to assimilate themselves into this new culture that, of course, will not go as smoothly as one would hope. Great book, solid storylines quite a few characters. So if a lot of characters, there was a cheat sheet, I believe at the beginning of the book, when I looked it up, it had the whole cast of characters again. So I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That always helps me a little. I know I read this one, but I bet it would be good as an audio too. Mm -hmm. Just again, with the names and the country, you know, just the dialect and things like that are sometimes richer if you Mm -hmm. can read it. Again, you get to know you get to know this family and the kids and how they grow up and how they take care of each other or not. Powerful story, well done in a time and a place that I really didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Looking for, the, I know they're in Japan during World War II, so that kind of gives a little bit of an idea. Let's see, the story goes from 1910 to 1989. So you do get a pretty Mm. wide arc of this family and the generations of family. Okay. Another one that's a little bit like a family saga was the last story of Mina Lee. Mm -hmm. It was um, Mina leaves Seoul in 1987 to come to the U.S. to start a new life. So you have her story And then you have her daughter, Margot. And the very beginning of the story, um, Margot can't get a hold of her mom. So she ends up going home and finds that her mother has passed away right away at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking, where are we going (laughs) with this story? But as Margot starts to go through her mother's things, she finds out so much about her mom and what her mom had to do 
as this immigrant, Korean immigrant in California in the 1980s, the jobs that she had, the things that she had to do. And then you also get Margot's side of the story of being this Korean American daughter who didn't really want the old Korean customs and and the things that her mother was saying and doing. She didn't want any part of that. So you kind of get a little bit of both sides and how they fought against each other, rebelled against each other. Mm-hmm. And and you find out more about Margot because she really doesn't know anything about her family or where she has come from really. Oh wow. So that was that was a a good surprise story for me. I just kind of mm-hmm. grabbed it and not knowing too much about it. But I I did appreciate how how that story unraveled and to get that perspective of the different generations and how they perceived what was going on in the world mm-hmm. was very interesting. <laughs> I have an author Julie Atsuka is her name. She wrote three books, When the Emperor Was Divine, Buddha in the Addict, and Swimmers. All three are fantastic books. When the Emperor Was Divine is Japanese internment camps in the United States. So that that perspective of you know what what their life was like, what they had to do. Buddha in the Addict was fascinating to me because it was Japanese picture brides. So it was the different stories of these women and how they came to the United States as picture brides. So if that's a little piece of history that you would be interested in, I thought this was a great book. Um, And Swimmers is her latest one. And that is about a group of a group of swimmers at uh, like at a I, I thought of it as like a Y or a community center or someplace like that, that has a pool and a crack develops in the bottom of the pool. And it sends these people just on a path to discovery that they didn't know that they needed. Her books all have a little bit of a knife in your heart, but also very well-told stories. And I learned a little something in each one of those books. And then my last one, that's not one that Nikki has, I don't think, is On Earth We Are Briefly Gorgeous. It is by Ocean Vong. He's usually a poet, but he wrote this coming age, coming of age story that was described as a love letter to his mother. He is a fantastic writer. Yeah. I loved this. It's a Vietnamese family in the aftermath of the Vietnam War. There is some fractured family dynamic running through there. There's the um, plight of being a refugee and not and and not being liked by your new country because they were Vietnamese and coming to America. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a friendship between little dog and Trevor, a friendship that developed because of trauma. And the different things that these boys were going through and what they were struggling with. There was a lot to it. Beautifully written. Very well done. I I just can't say enough good stuff about this man's writing. Wow. Fantastic. And I also just read a, a poetry book of his called Time is a Mother. That was also a stop and make you think about your time and how you use it and how fast it goes and, and those types of 
lines of thinking. So those were mine. I will say that almost all of the books that I told you about will have a little piece in it that will probably make you want to cry, but all fantastic stories. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had a lot of resounding recommendations, both of us, things that we were really passionate about. Then one that we both read was Night Tiger. Mm-hmm. I love this. This is what I wrote down. 1930 colonial Malaysia and um, an 11-year-old houseboy has to find his dead master's severed finger and return it to him within 49 days or his master's soul will roam the earth forever. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, there was a little magic, a little mystic type element running through this. There was a tiger that we were never sure if it was real or imagined. Mm-hmm. There was a girl, Jilin, who was a seamstress and then at night had to work as a dan- in the dance hall because her mother had gambling debts that she was trying to help with. <laughs> Just a very interesting mix of characters in this one. Mm-hmm. I liked the setting of this one. Yeah. Kind of in the, like a jungle type area for part mm-hmm. of it and then in town for another part of it. What else did you like about it? I liked the interesting way that almost old traditions and mythology and magic were all still interwoven in a more modern society. And it seemed prevalent to me throughout a lot of the Asian authors, at least when they were, when they had connections to the countries in Asia, like if they were born there and wrote the book and it was translated, or if they were born there and immigrated to another country, they had that tie. It was prevalent in a lot of those stories. You and I talked about this. There were ghosts. There were, there was a lot of mystical stuff going on. They came from their culture. And tied to ancient times. So that was kind of fun. That's what I liked about this one. Yes. And a little bit, you had a little bit of mystery in there Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who or where said finger was. Yes. (laughs) And who was like on their side and who was like, who was helping them and who was trying to deter them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good cast of characters too. Yeah. That's true. Go ahead with your fun choices. Okay. Mine are kind of all over the place, like like me. Um, so <laughs> my first one is Dial A for Aunties. This is a Jesse Sutanto book. It's the first in the Aunties series. And she is Indo-Chinese-American. So her family is Indo-Chinese and they immigrated to the US. This is a very dark comedy. It's like... Joy Luck Club meets Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, (laughs) There's a corpse. It's being carried about all through this. Okay, so let me start over. Sorry. Madeline Chan and her mom and her mom's three sisters, the aunties, they have a wedding planning business. And each person has this like really distinct personality and they each contribute different things to the wedding planning process. And Medi, okay, this is where the dark stuff comes in. Medi accidentally kills a guy. <laughs> and you have to be okay with that. <laughs> and then you have to be okay with the fact that she hides the body. She calls her mom. Her mom calls the aunties and they hide the body. And the body keeps showing up in various different places. Like they put it in a trunk and the trunk gets moved and all of a sudden, yeah. So it, that's the weekend of Bernie's part. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so it's it's insane, but um there's romance, it's silly. There's this really sweet mother-daughter relationship thing going on and the aunties think of her as their daughter as well. They call her daughter. So it's almost like she has four moms and they're all really really quirky and really funny. And so if you don't take the story too seriously, it's pretty great. And unique. <laughs> I've never unique. read it. I've never read a book before about the corpse being a problem because they can't hide it well enough. And it just keeps showing up. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Very fun. Yeah. So that's a series. I think that's the second book is out. I don't know if how many are planned, but the aunties are a lot of fun. I think I've talked, I can't remember anymore. If I talked about Clark and Division by Naomi Hirahara, she's a Japanese American and it's about her, uh, Rose Ito and her family were in one of the camps in California in World War II. And when they were relocated to Chicago in the Clark and Division neighborhood, Rose went before the rest of the family to get a job to set set up the the situation so the family could come. And when the family showed up, Rose had been killed. She was dead. It was a presumed suicide. And so her sister, her sister Aki doesn't accept that it was a suicide. So she goes on this mission to try and solve this mystery. And so there's a little bit of like the cultural stuff that was going on at the time, the post-World War II. There's the Japanese American racism stuff. And one of the most shocking things I thought that was revealed in this book was how despite Pearl Harbor and despite the war, the Japanese were treated as second-class citizens, but at least they were treated as citizens because the Blacks at that time were still below them. And they they were subhuman in a lot of ways, treated by, you know, white-run society. And so that was kind of alarming in addition to, you know, the rest of the racism. That was an interesting book and I picked it up because, you know, local, <laughs> it had a local connection. Yes. Um, my next the Chicago part was interesting. You could kind of yes. picture where she was a little bit too. Yeah. That's that what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, we both read Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. I'm sorry to tell all of you people, but they made the movie about the wrong book. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> she wrote Little Fires Everywhere, which was turned into a show. And mm, that was a good book, but this one was way better. Everything I Never Told You was such a great read. And one of those where when it ends, you're going to want to talk to somebody. This is about, um, so the book opens, Lydia is dead. She has drowned in the local lake and they don't know if it was suicide, if it was murder. And then you have the rest of her family. And it's kind of this dual timeline with before Lydia died and she has two siblings and the parents. The parents are a mixed race Chinese and American couple. And it's about race. It's about their relationships. It's about the kids and their relationships with each other and with the parents. It is a total tragedy. All of the things that come out in this book about what led up to Lydia dying were so heartbreaking. And it, it was it what it was was just family secrets and Everybody had these struggles that were too much for them to carry individually, but they weren't sharing them and nobody really knew the other person. So that was really sad. That was that. I like how that story kind of unfolded as it went along too, where Mm -hmm. you get a little snippet more of each person and you could kind of try to try to piece the story together as you went to, to see if you could 
figure out what actually happened. Right. Yeah. That was, that was powerful. And it really made me think it was, it was one of those books that reminds you, do you ever really know someone? And it's kind of, it makes you think a lot. The people you know the best, do you really know them? So that one, that's one of my favorite books. That was a five star for me. It was, it was a good, powerful book. I agree. And those family dynamics oh, yeah. are in every family. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are or who you are. There's always, I feel like some family yeah. secret floating around. <laughs> they probably all exist. <laughs> exactly. Um, so on the same path of being heartbreaking, the... Tra- <laughs> So many of these are the Traveling Cat Chronicles by Hiro Arakawa. He's a, it's a Japanese book. It's it's translated into English, and this is one of the sweetest, most wonderful books, and it will tear you apart. <laughs> a dagger to your heart. Yes, it's written from the perspective of the cat Nana. <laughs> And she lets this human, Satoru, adopt her. She gets hit by a car and he finds her and he brings her inside and he takes care of her. And they have this long, happy life together. And then all of a sudden, Satoru starts taking her on this road trip. And they meet all these other people, friends and that, and they're in different situations. And there's like, there's a farm and there's a B&B and she gets to meet various different other animals. And she doesn't understand why they're on this road trip. And then in the end, your heart gets broken. So I'm telling you now, have the Kleenex handy. I've read this book twice. I loved it that much. It's a quick read and It broke me both times. It was like, okay, I need like an hour to calm down. (laughs) I was crying so hard. (laughs) Sounds like one I need to add to my list. (laughs) I like those. Yeah, it was just really good. I have Lost Girls of Camp Forevermore by Kim Fu. And she's Hong Kong Canadian, presently living in the US. And this didn't feature any... I can't, I don't think there were any Asian characters in it. It wasn't necessarily a story about anybody from Asia or anything like that. She's just an Asian author. Um, It's about four young girls and they go to a sleepaway camp somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. We don't know exactly where. They all have four distinct personalities and there's these evolving dynamics within the group. The camp leader, this happens early on, the camp leader dies and the girls are on their own, stranded on an island in the wilderness. And they've got to find civilization and work together. It's been compared to like a girl's version of Lord of the Flies, but I didn't really see that because they didn't go that insane. (laughs) But there was a lot of like things you say and do can be nothing when you say them, but they're brutal and they leave an effect on people for a lifetime to come and, and, and just kind of like how we affect each other. So that was a big theme throughout. And also the working together and the decisions that they had to make in life and death situations. It's hard to imagine putting yourself in their shoes and you can kind of see like in hindsight, I wouldn't have done that, but you know, if you're in that situation, you don't really know. And so it's a lot of, a lot of tough calls. But um, it could, it would almost have been, I think, a YA book. I think it probably would work as YA too. I mean, it's young girls. So yeah, that was interesting. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this one before, but I'm going to mention it again, just because I love Kazuo Ishiguro. He's a Japanese man who 
writes all these wonderful, powerful books like Remains of the Day. Very British. His family immigrated to England when he was young. And so he has a lot of the Britishness in him and a little bit of the Japanese. So when you read the books, you don't really know that it's a Japanese man. (laughs) Japanese British man. Oh, yeah. Powerful books. And all, and I think that's the the undercurrent in all of his books are the the, the heartbreak of love and loss and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff, the unspoken stuff. And I feel like that's more Japanese than it is British. But so um the buried giant is literally a post-Arthurian story of an elderly couple who they're trying to find their son, but something's happened across the landscape where everybody has amnesia. So they have a vague recollection of their son living in this other place and they don't know how to get there and they don't know, you know, exactly where he's at, but they're just going to head out by foot and try and find him. And they meet all these interesting characters along the way. And the Brits and the Saxons are sort of kind of getting along, but still fights break out a little here and there. You have Sir Gawain, who is elderly now. He is an elderly knight and he is still trying to find the she-dragon because of his pledge to Arthur, even though Arthur's long gone. And you you meet all these other quirky characters and you go on this adventure and it's just, it's really sweet. And I don't know what else to say about it. It's really sweet. It's about a couple and their marriage and their devotion. And, you know, not everything is perfect. Not every relationship is perfect, no matter how long you're married for. And I can't talk about the end, but... <laughs> kicks you in the gut. So many of these kick you in the gut. Um, But so that's the literal story. But symbolically, a lot of discussion is had about what it actually meant. And um, it's all debatable, of course, but it's it's a lot of of symbolism of dementia, of the wife Beatrice is is about to die. It's about Axel, the elderly husband, contemplating their long marriage together. And the loss of their son and the ups and downs of their lives and all of the flaws that exist in relationships and the still abiding love. So it was interesting. And and that symbolism stuff is, you know, something you think about it. You're like, Oh, that could have been sure, sure, sure. And then I go on to the next book. (laughs) I'm not real good at symbolism. I'm usually like, Oh, all right. I just like the story. Okay. You can take it as a literal post-Arthurian book, or you can like dive deep into the psychology of it and, you know, whatever floats your boat, that's up to you. (laughs) Exactly. I have two more. One is an older one. You probably all have heard of it. The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Yeah. Chinese American immigrants. You have four Chinese women who immigrated to California. They each have a daughter. They each have their own history with their mothers and the stories about their four daughters how they get along with their mothers, how they get along with each other. And the girls, and I think this was prevalent in one or two of yours, they kind of don't want the mom's old world values and advice, but they come to find out how valuable it is. And that mom's experience and grandma's experience and all of those experiences are built into us. They're in our DNA and they can help us. The lessons learned a hundred years ago are still worth keeping and paying tribute to. Those traditions that come back or that become more meaningful, I think, as we get older. Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah, if you're 15, you don't want your mom dressing in the traditional garb or 
that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. But maybe when you're 40, you're like, oh, okay, I get that now. They were, you know, being themselves. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, an undercurrent. And I would think that there are a lot of different ethnicities that have that going on, different immigrants. Oh, yeah. That have these same feelings, but definitely came out in pretty much all the books that we read. Yeah, I think that's the fun part is finding the ways that in which their culture is different and then also finding the ways in which we're all the same. Mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty interesting. And the last book that I have is Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jean Kwok, who is a Chinese American. And you read this as well. This is a, a story of a family that immigrated to the Netherlands and sort of settled there for a little while. And then half the family moved to the U.S., So you have cousins and grandma living in the Netherlands and you have the mom and dad with the daughter who moved to the U.S. in New York. And they send their daughter back to be with grandma and the cousins to be raised because they don't have enough money and they're working all the time and they can't take care of her. So she spends the first part of her childhood in the Netherlands with the Chinese family there. And then they call her back to the U.S. to live with them and their new baby. So you have the relationship with these two sisters, you have this complicated relationship with the cousins in the Netherlands, and you have the complicated relationship with the parents and the daughters. And it's a lot of relationships. (laughs) It was a lot of relationships and and keeping them all straight and why they felt how they felt towards each each other. Like you kind of unravel that a little bit as you read the stories, like, well, why don't they like each other necessarily mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. These are things that have happened. It's, it's a little bit of a family saga as well. There mm-hmm. are, you know, things that have happened over time. And I just, I remember reading this and thinking, I don't know how I could send my child so far away for so long, mm-hmm. but it, that, that wasn't even really a thing for them. They're like, this is what we have to do. And yep. I guess out of necessity, you do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But that that was interesting to me. And the relationship between the sisters. Yeah. Because it was almost were, like a motherly type yeah. thing. And they were enough years apart that they weren't really doing the same things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So those family dynamics definitely fed into the search for Sylvie Lee. Yeah. I like how Amy grew up. She was very sheltered and very shy in the beginning of the book. And she had to fly to the Netherlands to look for her sister. And she'd never been on a plane before. And she was very nervous. And then in the end, she was the biggest advocate for her sister and her life and and fighting to get the mystery solved, what happened to her and all of that. So I liked Amy's arc. That was that was interesting. Um, I also thought it was really interesting to see what it was like for the Chinese in the Netherlands. So (laughs) you've got multiple different accents going on in three different cultures. So that was pretty, pretty wild. And then there's something in the book that happens that I have feelings about (laughs) in the very end. (laughs) And every time I mention it to someone, they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. But it was so big to me. (laughs) And clearly not to me. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That to me wasn't the most important part of the story, (laughs) which is interesting because of what it was. But yeah, Yeah. um, it added to the mystery and Mm -hmm. also why these people maybe didn't really like each other necessarily all the time. So yeah, Mm -hmm. good, good plot twist towards the end. Yeah, for sure. 
it's a, it's a mystery. So it just, it, it succeeds in that. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. And talk about the book that the graphic novel, I don't remember the title, the George Takai. Tell me what the title was of that one. They called us enemy, the graphic novel about his, him and his family being put in the internment camp. Everybody who's ever read this pretty much has raved about it. How can you not love George Takai regardless? So to hear the story of his family and their plight. Um, and very I heavy. liked it. I liked it though as the graphic novel because it was heavy subject matter. It was mm-hmm. hard to read even as a graphic novel, but as a graphic novel with the pictures and I don't know, sometimes I think a heavy topic like like an internment camp is a little more palatable as a graphic novel. Isn't that it's weird? Not, it's, it's like the fewer words. So many words, so many descriptions. You still definitely get the picture of what it looked like, but you don't, I guess I, for me, my mind can't go even more horrible because this is what he's showing me. This is what it was for him. I thought it was a very well done graphic novel. And I recommend that one to almost everyone mm-hmm. that I meet. Like this mm-hmm. is a great one. It's a great story. You're not going to find this book because he wrote it as a graphic novel. He's an interesting character. And I think a lot of people didn't realize that about his life. Right. So it was very well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting how a lot of this kind of revolves around World War II. It's a very heavy time period that had long generational impacts on families that are still being talked about today. Yes. We had a couple that we've talked about before just to throw into um, when the mountains sing was a family saga story in Vietnam. So I talked about the Vietnam War from their perspective, which was interesting. Um, We talked about the Library of Legends Mm -hmm. already, and that was mystical um, moving these legends. And so if you're looking for a more magic, there is that one. Those are two that stuck out that I like, we've talked about these, but I think they need mention again, mm-hmm. just because they were great stories. Yeah. White chrysanthemum as well. Mm-hmm. That was one of our, I think that was our first that was podcast. The very first one. Yes. <laughs> so that was really enlightening. That taught me a lot about geography and yes the role of the Japanese in Asia during World War II. That was, that was, um, that opened my eyes a lot. Yes. And the Japanese comfort women. Uh, Nothing comfortable about that. Nope. Not at all. Yeah. Very triggering book for some. We could also throw out uh, Crazy Rich Asian, which Mm -hmm. to me was a fun read about these families. Um, kind of like reading a soap opera, <laughs> but also you got that family, that underlying family dynamic that we've been talking about with the old clashing with the new. I only read the first one of those. I didn't read the rest of the series, but I did walk away with going, okay, this is, this is how they do things. This is their tradition that they mm-hmm. want to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even get into a lot of like India and you know parts of Russia are considered Asia. There's so much more to talk about in, in Asia. It was hard to limit ourselves to just the ones that we picked. But I think the ones that we picked were maybe the more, I picked the more powerful ones that I've read. Yes. So. These are all ones that hurt my heart. Yes. <laughs> with That's the what we're going with. With the exception of Dial A for Aunties, I think none of them were funny and (laughs) 
uplifting and, and, you know, in that vein, there were a lot of heartbreaks. Yes, there were, but good, powerful stories. Well worth the read. Mm -hmm. Yep. For sure. All righty. Thank you, Tana, for your sharing of Asian authors with us. And hopefully we will see you again very, very soon. I'm sure we will. <laughs> Looking forward to the next one. <laughs> and now here's Nick with a suggestion from libraries. Hello, I'm Nick. I'm one of the librarians here at the Round Lake Area Public Library. Today we're going to talk about a new resource at the library called Gell Courses. Did you know you can take a wide variety of courses online through the library? Gell Courses offers a multitude of topics ranging from personal finance to computer programming. All are highly interactive and instructor-led. Never stop learning. Whether you're looking for college-level, professional development, or personal enrichment courses, Gell offers hundreds of online courses that are accessible anywhere online 24-7. Gell courses offer well-crafted lessons, expert online instruction, and interaction with fellow students. Check out your local library for more information. And that brings this episode of Quick Picks to a close. We hope you join us next time for more suggestions in different genres and maybe different media. My name is Nikki, and Quick Picks is coming to you from the Round Lake Area Public Library in Round Lake, Illinois. The end.